We dive into a pre-2022 free agency mock draft Monday. Mock drafts from Twitter, free agency predictions, and more next to Unlocked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked On Ravens or Daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. Of course, we're here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Ravens your first listen of the day, and we are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, as you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before, Bet Online, where the game starts. We return here. It is a very important Monday here on Locked On Ravens and throughout the whole NFL landscape as today marks the start technically of free agency. The tampering period begins today. That means teams and agents and players can start talking with one another. No deals can be official yet. That happens on Wednesday. But moves will start to be announced, start to be reported, not by teams. The teams will have to wait until the actual free agency period does begin which again is Wednesday but the legal tampering period does begin today so we'll be talking about free agency predictions in the final segment for the Ravens my final batch of them so be sure to stay tuned throughout the episode for that but since it is Monday we have to dive into another mock draft Monday today and this one's a fun one because it is pre-free agency obviously with me not knowing what's going on and you not knowing what's going on. Well, actually, you might know because you might be watching this at a later date or a later time. I'm recording this. I have no idea what the Ravens are going to do in free agency right now. So it'll be fun to kind of, again, speculate one last time before the moves actually come in. So here in the first segment, we'll look at my mock draft that I did for Mock Draft Sunday. Here for Mock Draft Monday on Lockdown Ravens. In the second segment, we'll look at your mock drafts on Twitter. Dive into as many as I can there. And then in the final segment, again, free agency predictions. So let's dive into all of that here, right here right now before we do that though be sure to subscribe and like this video on youtube we're getting really close to my first goal here on youtube which is 1000 subscribers you can see my face and my background the video is premiere at 6 a.m eastern time much like our audio form which also comes out at 6 a.m eastern time and thank you if you're listening in audio form if you're listening on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify we're available again on any podcast platform so thank you for whether it's an audio form or video form listening to me here today be sure to follow me on twitter at chaos 34 and the locked on ravens account at locked on ravens so without any further ado let's dive into this content and, and i'm excited i'm excited for this mock draft here today because i i did this and i want to put a disclaimer out i did this mock draft under the assumption that the ravens will make some type of move at tackle so whether that is trading for a player like leo collins or signing Trent Brown or somebody. I, I made this mock draft. I did this under that assumption. And the board fell pretty nicely in that sense. And honestly, I'm pretty glad it did because the tackles that I wanted to draft, if there were to be tackles to be drafted in like the first, second, third rounds, all were off the board pretty early. So hey, it kind of worked out that way. But so my first pick, number 14, I picked Jermaine Johnson, the edge from Florida State. Now, Johnson most likely will not be on the board when the Ravens pick at 14. He is too talented of a player, a very good athlete. He's had a pretty unique journey in his college rank, started off in Juco, went to Georgia after that, then went to Florida State after that, finished his career there. But he is good as a pass rusher. He is good as a run defender. He is an all-around player who I think the Ravens, you could immediately start him if you're John Harbaugh on this defense. He would be a chess piece for Mike McDonald. 
He is an impact player. He makes key plays at key moments. And we saw that throughout the film, or at least I saw that when I was watching some film and some highlights of him, of course. And it feels like just he uses his, his length the right way. He's a 6'5 guy, 254 pounds right around there. He's able to shed really well. He stacks also, which is a good part of his game. It's just I like the fact that he is balanced and very, very, very good in both run and pass. And I know that for some of these middle roundish pass rushers that you have in this draft, and this goes for any draft, but there are some who really specialize against the run. There are others that really specialize at rushing the passer. If you can get a player like Johnson for, I think, a again, sneaky positional need of the edge position where Tyus Bowers is coming off the injury. What's happening with Pernell McPhee? Is he going to retire, come back on a one-year deal? The Ravens need some juice there. You have Dalen Hayes coming off of season-ending injuries. You don't really know what's going on with Justin Houston. I would like him back. We'll talk about that more in the third segment. But I feel like Johnson would be a great pick, you know, run up to the run up to the table and put that pick in if he is available. He also is very smart on the football field. It's very high football IQ. And I mean, he's somebody who I think could impact the Ravens defense very early and for a very, very long time. And then moving on to pick 45, obviously the Ravens releasing Tavon Young. So corner becomes even more of a need than it already was. I picked Kyler Gordon, the corner from Washington. Now Gordon isn't necessarily this huge cornerback. He's only 5'11", weighs around 194 pounds, but he again, balanced in both the run game and the pass game. Now as a cornerback, he got to be good covering, right? Well, he can do that very, very well. He's able to do well in press. He can play zone as well. He also has the potential to be a nice special team player, which we all know this Baltimore Ravens team loves their special teamers. But in the run game, he is a tackler. He is a very good tackler. And I know like the Ravens needed that on their defense in 2021. So that would be a really good thing. He's a great athlete as well. And he has great ball technique. He also, he can be what I've read is like nosy. Like I've, I've heard that term be placed on him before. So he's able to like kind of get into the backfield with his eyes a little bit and not really stick to his man at some points. But the way that he pops out on the film, he closes very fast, can stick to his man. The nosy part, I mean, some players, especially young ones, can be that way early on in their careers and especially in college. But with the right coaching, I think coaches can say, you know, just stick to your guy, trust this a little bit more. And I think that will go away. So I like Kyler Gordon a lot. I know his combine was like meh in some cases, but I still think that he has the versatility to play inside and outside. And I think the Ravens just need to draft some talented corners. And I think Gordon come out of Washington, another Ravens corner from Washington, Marcus Peters. So they would have that Washington connection. Moving on to the third round, we're keeping it defense for these first three picks. I picked Vidarian Mathis, the interior defensive lineman out of Alabama. Now, I talked about Mathis on my first ever mock draft Monday, so I won't get into too, too much detail, but I will still kind of lay the scene for him. Mathis is a great player who is a monster. 6'4", around 317 pounds. He's a very good run defender, but also offers an interior pass rushing presence. And I know that we have talked before here on the show, but hey, look, the Ravens, they they need interior pass rush. I mean, they brought in Clay Campbell to do it. Hasn't really worked out. Brought in Derek Wolf to do it. Hasn't really worked out. Doesn't matter. Week A hasn't, you know, they, they've had issues with generating pressure from the interior. Mathis can do that. He's not this, he's not the best interior pass rusher in this class, but I think he can have value as a third round player who also 
has a lot of experience playing at a very good football school, Alabama, one of the best, obviously, under Nick Saban. He's a great athlete. He has the pass rush moves to at least provide a little bit of interior pass rush presence. And also, he can line up in multiple parts of the defensive line. So for a 317-pound guy to be able to do that, I think that provides value. We can line him up as people have said a 3-4 DN, uh, maybe even a 3-tech in a 4-3. It seems like the Ravens will still be going with their 3-4, but – I think Baltimore could have very good uses for a player like Mathis. And then at 99, first offensive player, I picked Ed Ingram, the interior offensive lineman out of LSU. Now, Ingram is 6'4", 320, and played, you know, he's not a tackle. I know people would want the tackle, but again, this is with the Ravens, in my assumption, signing a tackle or trading for a guy like Leo Collins. So Ingram played both left guard and right guard. At LSU, obviously, he's not playing right guard for the Ravens, at least in the immediate future, as Kevin Zeitler is there right now. But left guard, he could challenge guys like Ben Cleveland, Tyree Phillips, Ben Powers, etc. And he's someone who, again, you talk about high football IQ, the Ravens like those kinds of players. Ed Ingram is that. He can move defensive linemen. He is a very strong individual. <laughs> he piles them back. It's something that you want to see out of a guard. And he also has the versatility if you really wanted him to to move out to a tackle. I see him as a guard right now, but he can do that if you want him to. So I know that he's not this – Rasheed Walker wasn't available here. I would have loved to have him, but I think Ingram is a nice consolation prize as someone who can maybe step in early, but also just maybe be a backup until Kevin Zeitler departs and then you have your replacement for Kevin Zeitler as a quality player. You don't have to maybe invest a high pick if you have a player like Ingram. Next, we have 108. I got Quay Walker, the linebacker out of Georgia, inside linebacker. A bit of a sneaky need again with LJ Fort, Josh Bynes, Chris Bortle hitting free agency. Walker is someone who is super, super athletic. I've talked about how the Ravens love their athletes. Walker fits that profile. He doesn't have a ton of starting experience, but he's able to pressure the quarterback. He is a good run defender, and he is good in coverage. That's all you want out of a linebacker. He can fit in multiple different roles, again, in a defense. He's 6'3", around 240. I think that would be a great pick for the Ravens. Scheme fit, I think it's there. It's not perfect, but I think it is there for them. Next at 117, I picked Jake Ferguson, tight end out of Wisconsin. I talked about Ferguson again on my first mock draft, but he is a great pass catcher. Has some work to do in the run game, but I still think he can be effective in that area at the NFL level. He can be an all-around talent, though. I think his pass blocking has improved, but you don't really need that pass blocking out of a tight end. You know, you're not really asking that of a tight end in most situations. I mean, some, yes, obviously, and like max protect and everything, but as a run blocker, as a pass catcher, I think he offers enough as a third tight end where you can maybe have your first Hayden Hurst type player in a pretty long time for the Ravens. Next to 126, I pick Rashad White, the running back out of Arizona State. Now, the Ravens are looking for a third running back, and if they don't resign a guy like Devonta Freeman, and I, and I love me some Devonta Freeman, but if they don't, I think that White would be a really nice player to have. 6'1", 205, really good dual threat running back. The Ravens need some type of a receiving threat out of their backfield. The Ravens were looking to use Dobbins and Edwards out of those roles, but we all know what happened with that. So he can be someone who compliments. Again, I'm not looking for this star running back in like the eighth round. Well, there's no eighth round, but you know what I'm talking about, late rounds. But the Ravens need a compliment to those guys, and I think that White could be that for them. Then at 138, Nick Cross, the talk of the combine at the stage position, or at least one of them, there were others like Nick Seen, et cetera. But I think Cross is a very good athlete, has a lot of way to go, but showed the athletic ability at the combine to be worthy of a mid-round pick. And I think that for Cross, 
he can play again versatile in a defense can play multiple different roles and that's an area where i think the ravens would love to have him slated in so i think cross you can just develop him for a year or two don't have to necessarily put all the pressure on him to start and then you can see where you are in a couple seasons with him next at number 140 Here's the offensive tackle, Kellen Deesh out of Arizona State. Now, he is a good athlete. He's not necessarily heavy in the run game, and so he doesn't necessarily get leverage a ton, but he gets to the second level very well, and his athleticism guides him in that. He's not going to – I mean, you can start him if you want to. I personally wouldn't. I think this is more of a developmental player, but with the Ravens in this scenario, having a – star tackle like Leo Collins or someone else who they sign in free agency. You don't need to draft a guy who need to start right away. If that is the case, not the most powerful player, but can do good things in his own blocking scheme. So that's where I am with Kellen Beach. And then finally 194, Matt Hankins corner from Iowa. Now, again, the Ravens released him on young corner, huge need skyrockets with that. So Hankins, I don't know. I feel like he's, he could be a steal. He's six one, one seventy five. He can play very well in the run game. And in the pass game, he does a lot well also. And he just he he's physical enough and has the physical profile to disrupt plays. And outside of the durability concerns that have happened with him, he has a good physical profile, not an elite physical profile. I think this is a great pick to take in the later rounds. You don't need again, you need to find players who you could maybe get contributions out of year one, but also kind of look at and say, hey. This guy, we can develop and make some good things out of it. So I think for the Ravens, this is an all-around good mock draft, again, with the idea that the Ravens would sign or trade for a star tackle. I liked it, and I hope everybody else did too. Still a lot here to talk about on Locked On Ravens. We'll make it back. We'll be diving into some of your mock drafts from Twitter, so be sure to stay tuned for that. But first, I want to tell you a bit about Built Bar. And again, this is the time of year that people sometimes give up on their New Year's resolutions, but don't do that this year. Stick to your resolution. And if it is to eat right, do it with Built Bar. Built Bar has these new things called Built Bar Puffs. And if you haven't tried them, you are missing out. They're the first ever protein infused marshmallow. So that means they're fluffy and marshmallowy, and they are very, very good. They're a fan favorite also. So be sure to get your hands on some of those. But also, Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low calorie and high protein. They contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Great optics there. There are also tons of great flavors like mint brownie, which is one of my personal favorites, coconut, coconut almond, etc. So go to Bilt.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. We're back. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens, Kevin Allstriker, your host, still here with you. Now we're going to be diving into some mock drafts from Twitter that you guys submitted. And again, thank you for submitting these mock drafts. I'm going to try to get to as many as I can here in this second segment, try to get to the ones that I didn't get to throughout the rest of the week. But I do read through each and every one. And I'm just going to go in the order that I see them here. So we'll first start off with a mock draft from Kalen Hutchinson, who says, sign Barnett and Wagner. So Kalen has the Ravens taking Sauce Gardner at number 14, the corner, Daniel Falili, the offensive tackle at 45, John Pascoe, the edge at 76, Drake Jackson, edge at 99, Cole Strange, interior offensive lineman at 108, Kyron Williams, running back at 117, Kobe Bryant, corner 126, Nick Cross, safety 138, Chig Okonkwo, tight end at 140, and I believe that is where it cuts off. Yeah, so those are great. This is good. This is a good one to start off with. I love Sauce Gardner. I think he'll be gone at 14, but I always say take what the mock draft simulator gives you. 
Kalen does that here. I like that. The one-two combo, Sauce and Daniel Valili, I took those one-two in my last week mock draft. So I like that. I also took Cole Strange. I like Cole Strange a lot as a center option if Bradley Bozeman leaves. It feels like that's the case. We'll talk about them more in the third segment, so stay tuned. Kobe Bryant, the, the last three picks, honestly, Kobe Bryant, Nick Cross, and Chikokonkwo, all steals. I think Kobe Bryant's going to go probably third, maybe early fourth round. So I like him at 126. Nick Cross, we talked about. I like that pick. Chikokonkwo, so Kalen goes back-to-back Maryland Combine stars. I like this mock draft a lot here. Now, I think the, when you look at it from a needs perspective, I think he hits on most of them. I mean, you have the corner offensive tackle. Those are arguably some of the top two needs. The one surprise is that there are no interior defensive linemen. So this obviously assumes the Ravens would sign Derek Barnett, who Kalen says in his thing, Barnett and Wagner. So that checks off those two needs. So I think the Ravens will probably, even if they do sign Barnett, still take an interior defensive lineman, but you don't need to take a Jordan Davis, for example, because you already have signed the quality guy there on the defensive line, but for more of an actual interior presence, we'll see what happens to Clays Campbell, Brandon Williams, et cetera. I wouldn't be shocked if they did that, but overall, I like this a lot. I think it gives them best player available value needs as well. That combination is what the Ravens should be looking for. Of course, next we'll get into a mock draft from B Ward, who says PFF didn't love it, but I love this draft for needs and value. So B Ward takes Trayvon Walker, the edge at number 14. Then he, there is a trade where the Ravens trade pick 46 and 107 for 49 and 71. And at 49, Daniel Falele, the tackle from Minnesota, is the selection. Martin Emerson, corner from Mississippi State, is the selection at 71. Then John Mitchell, the third, Alabama wide receiver, is 78. Jojo Doman, Nebraska corner at 102. Sam Williams, Mississippi edge at 116. Neil Farrell Jr., or defensive line from LSU at 125. Cam Jurgen, center from Nebraska at 140. Then another trade, 141, a six-round pick in 2023 and 193 for 145 and 161. And at 145, Ted Angelani Woods is the selection. Dito Ogbonia, the UCLA defensive lineman, is a pick of 161. And Matareza, the punter from San Diego State, is at 231. Some big draft punter guys out there. So the cut Sam Cook draft a punter out there. But Areza is one of the best in the business and is one of the best college punters in college history. So... Trevon Walker, you pick him if he's there at 14. I don't think he's going to be there, but you you pick him if he's there. But Lily, I think the same thing. Not going to be there around the 40s, 50s, but if he's there, you pick him for sure. Then you have the needs. A receiver at 78, would I personally do that? Probably not, but I understand if they did, and I understand the value that you get there with one of the better receivers from Alabama that they have put out. And that's saying something because they put out a lot of good receivers. Then you have other needs getting taken, like corner. At 102, you have two edges between 14 and 116, and then two defensive linemen. You have a tight end. You have the center in there. So this hits. This hits on a lot of this hits on a lot of key needs while getting value for moving back in the draft, picking up as many picks as you can, and then moving those into other needs and other areas where the Ravens can have depth as well as good players available. So I like that draft there from B Ward. Next, we'll talk about a mock draft from JP, who has the same one-two combination as Kalen a couple mock drafts ago. 14 at Sauce Gardner, 46 at Daniel Falili. Then you have 78, Chad Mumo, linebacker from Wyoming. Donovan West, center from Arizona State at 102. Nick Cross, safety from Maryland at 107. Darion Kendrick, Georgia corner at 116. D'Angelo Malone, Western Kentucky edge at 125. Matthew Butler, Tennessee defensive lineman at 140. Otito Ogbonia, UCLA defensive lineman at 141. Vilas Jones, Jr., 
Tennessee wide receiver 193 and Ryan Stonehouse punter from Colorado State at 231. Another punter here. So we're getting some punter love in these mock drafts. But again, I love the Gardner for Lily 1-2. And then it's also needs. Two defensive linemen back-to-back. Wide receiver late. I think that's maybe where I, I love Justin Ross personally, but I think Jones Jr. is another great option. Nick Cross again going. Donovan West. So I, I assume this is a mock draft where Bradley Bozeman leaves. Overall, though, I liked it. You get two corners, which I think, honestly, with the release of Tavon Young, it is necessary to draft two corners in this mock draft. I just think that there there isn't a lot right now in that room. And, well, obviously, outside of Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, you can't forget about those guys. But you have, like, Amon Marshall, Robert Jackson, Kevin Tolliver, Kevon Seymour, who are, like, you know, those guys haven't started a ton of games. So maybe for me, I would I – would, maybe move an interior defensive lineman or an edge up to where Chad Muma was picked at 78. So maybe instead of him at 78, I would take an edge or a defensive lineman. But I like this draft. We've talked about that one-two punch. I think that would be a perfect one-two punch in the first two rounds. Let's now talk about a mock draft from Will Be Back, who has the Ravens taking David Ajabo at 14, then trading pick 46 for 57, 89, and 184. Jamari Saylor, tackle or offensive lineman from Georgia at 57. Darian Beavers, linebacker from Cincinnati at 78. Cam Taylor Britt, Nebraska corner at 89. Christian Watson, wide receiver from North Dakota State at 102. Rashid Walker, tackle from Penn State at 107. Cordell Flott, LSU corner at 116. Neil Farrell Jr., LSU defensive lineman, 125. Noah Ellis, Idaho defensive lineman, 140. Jelani Woods, tight end, 141. Marquise Bell, Florida A&M, safety, 184. Zion McCollum, corner from Sam Houston at 193 and Tyrese Robinson tackle from Oklahoma at 231. Now this has the Ravens taking four, no three offensive linemen, which I think is the sweet spot for offensive linemen with Sailor Walker and Robinson. You have three corners as well. I wouldn't be shocked if they did this, but I think two is maybe the sweet spot for corners. Cause I think they're going to sign a couple of them in free agency. And then you don't, you need to have the depth. I just don't know if three rookie corners make this roster. Maybe it's more of like a, hey, undrafted free agency type deal. You get the safety. You get the tight end. I like a Jabo a lot. I think Saylor's a very versatile piece you can bring in and do a lot of good things with. I think Cam Taylor Britt is a really good corner, and he's getting a bit undervalued in my opinion. Like 89, I think, is where I'd definitely take him if the Ravens had that selection. Sheed Walker I like as a tackle option who can actually start day one. So this is this is a really nice draft that it – Freeze up some depth for them where they're able to plug and play a lot of different guys. But I also think that there might be, because how many picks are here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. With 13 picks, you know, I don't necessarily know if the Ravens will have enough room on their roster for that. I hope I counted that right. But yeah, I don't know if 13 picks. So maybe if they do make that trade in the second round, they would move back up in the third round or in the fourth round. And that's where I could potentially see that happening but we'll head into our final break here on locked on ravens when we get back we'll be diving into my final free agency predictions we have a lot to talk about because the tampering period it is today so be sure to stay tuned but first i want to tell you about bet online now it was a rough week for my Denver Nuggets, or I'll say rough weekend the Nuggets it's basketball just like many sports are a game of runs it is a game of stretches and the nuggets are in a cold one right now so if you bet on the nuggets to beat the toronto raptors on saturday i apologize they also went down to the wire with the warriors on thursday night so 
you know, you, you can't win them all, unfortunately. Nicole Oak is still holding strong on those MVP odds, though. So if you want to bet on those MVP odds, be sure to do it with Bet Online. They have all the latest odds, contests, and player props. BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. But also, it's not just basketball. They also have hockey, UFC, even live betting odds, and your favorite Vegas casino game. So head to the website today or even use a mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. We're back. Our final segment of Locked On Ravens, Kevin Ostrak, your host, still here with you. And we got into our mock draft Monday. Now we're going to get into free agency as it's going to be very interesting to see what the Ravens do. And I know I've been saying that for a long time now, but we are here where I have kind of let out my opinions and my thoughts on how this free agency should go for the Ravens and where I think they should spend their money, where they should maybe not spend their money. But this is an offseason, I think, where the Ravens just have to be aggressive. And I'm not saying aggressive to the point where they're trading all their draft picks away and getting into terrible contracts with terrible later down the road cap hits. But we've seen the rest of the NFL go out there and improve. Well, not, you know, not the entire NFL, but we've seen teams become aggressive. The AFC has been a huge beneficiary of that by trading for Russell Wilson if you're the Denver Broncos, by trading for Khalil Mack if you're the Los Angeles Chargers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I'm not saying that because these teams are doing it, the Ravens have to do it too. Like, I'm not saying they have to copy these other teams and just throw away everything that they believe in and completely change everything because a couple teams are doing that. But I think to an extent, we understand that the Ravens are going to bank on the health of a lot of guys coming back, such as Ronnie Stanley and Marcus Peters and JK Dobbins, Gus Edwards, et cetera. That doesn't mean they're going to just not sign anyone and say, you know what? Ronnie Stanley will be back hundred percent because we saw that happen last year. It did not work out. But at the same time, I've talked about the whole compensatory pick formula thing. I don't think that they should throw away that strategy. It has worked for them. They have gotten good players off of it and, and it works. We have seen that it works, and other teams copy that now because they understand that it works. But the key there, in my opinion, is to not be overly too reliant on it. So, as I've said, if the difference between signing Tyron Matthew and not signing Tyron Matthew is a third-round comp pick because, I don't know, Bradley Bozeman gets $12 million a season or Anthony Aver gets $15 million a season, whatever, some crazy contract comes out, I'm I'm taking Tyron Matthew. I'm taking the star free agent this year over the third round comp pick. And I know sometimes that's not how the Ravens like to do things. They got burned the last time they gave it a significant contract in the Earl Thomas one. That was a disaster. But that stuff like that's very rare that happens. Thomas was great on the field for the Ravens, but off the field, it was just not a fit, not a good time. So I think that when looking at Ravens free agents, first of all, like guys who could stay, could go, Obviously, the big names are the ones to focus on here. I think Bradley Bozeman and Anthony Averd are both probably gone. It feels like that's what the conversation has been leading up to everything. And it just feels like the Ravens would like to have them back. But again, do they have the money to sign everybody back? We've seen the answer is no. And with Lamar Jackson's extension coming up, you can't commit tons and tons and tons and tons of big dollars down the line because soon you're going to have Jackson in there. And, and there is a way to manipulate the cap, right? It is people say the cap is a myth, the cap this, the cap that, but to an extent it is true. You know, you can maneuver the cap so that you can have guys have 
big cap hits year one to have a lesser cap hit later. You can have it. So the cap hits are smaller early. So you have to push that money down the line to put together the best possible roster while still signing guys to big contracts. The Ravens have freed up about $11, $12 million with the retirement of Alejandro Villanueva, the release of Tavon Young. Maybe stuff will happen by the time this episode comes out and I'm finished recording, but I'm a bit surprised they haven't done anything else, especially with free agency so close here. So maybe it will be like in succession where the Ravens will agree to terms with somebody and then other moves will happen to get that number under for the Ravens. So they will be able to fit that guy. But Bozeman, it just feels like my, my, so my landing spots for those two, I think Bozeman, unfortunately goes to Cincinnati. I would not like that. And I know a lot of people, other, a lot of other people would not too, but it just, it just feels that way to me. So I think Bradley Bozeman's going to Cincinnati. We'll see though. Anthony Averett, it feels like he's a New York giant. Don Martindale, huge praise for him. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if that's the move because Don Martindale calls him, you know, the third best corner on the Ravens. And I feel like the, I saw a valuation of him at like one year, $3 million. I think he's going to get more than that. And I think a lot more corners of premium position. Averett showed that he has the potential to be a star at this in this league. I just don't think the Ravens can, can afford to keep him on this roster with the money that is going to have to be dished out in the coming years. So it's unfortunate. I, Patrick Ricard is a very interesting situation. The, the reports have come out that the Ravens are willing to make him the highest paid fullback in the league, but he wants more tight end money. Ricard has never really functioned as a pure tight end for a significant amount of time before. And it only has like 20 some career catches. So I don't really know where that's coming from, but Hey, he wants the money. I get it. He, he deserves a contract, but I think Ricard is going to stay and it's close. It is close. It, it depends if he gets the money he's looking for. If he doesn't, I think Baltimore is the right fit for him. I think he understands that too. But if a team wants to pay him like a tight end and the Ravens can't match that, I don't think they should match that. So that's an interesting one. Uh, who else is Clayus Campbell? I think stays Brandon Williams. I think goes, I, it's unfortunate that I think that duo was getting up there in age to the point where do they just need they just need better playmakers. I think Campbell has more left in the tank than Williams. I I, don't, I wouldn't be shocked to see Williams back at a veteran minimum deal, but I just, you know, with Justin Matabike, Project Washington, you need some more youth in there. I think they're going to draft a couple guys or at least one. Maybe sign a guy. I, look, I love Larry Ogunjobi from Cincinnati. I think he'd be a great fit, but I think Campbell stays. I think Brandon Williams goes. I think Justin Houston stays. I've seen Justin Houston slander. Like he wasn't good. He was good in 2021. I don't, I don't see what people are saying. Like I get the sack numbers weren't totally there for him compared to what he was doing, but what Ravens pass rusher sack numbers were over the last four seasons, you know, there aren't a lot. So I think Houston did a very good job as a veteran. The young edge rusher seemed to really like him and view him as a mentor leader type guy. I think that's a good move for them. If they can keep Justin Houston, predominantly I don't really see back, honestly, I don't see Sammy Watkins back either. I think that ship has probably sailed and probably for good reason. I don't, I don't think Watkins would like the role he was offered and the money he was offered in Baltimore this off season. I just don't think it'll work out and other players deserve snaps. Who else is out there? Deshaun Elliott, Deshaun Elliott. I think Elliott stays. I think Elliott stays on a one year prove it deal. Three season ending injuries in four seasons is nothing to kind of, shoo away and be like oh it's okay like that, that's that's a serious thing and it's part of the reason i think the ravens moved on from Tavon young because they just couldn't trust him at that high of a cap pitch stay on the field we saw he had nagging injuries in 2021 as well even though he did play full 17 games 
But I think Elliott does stay on a one-year deal. I think Josh Bynes returns. I think LJ Fort returns. I think Chris Board does not. Now, I could see a scenario where it's kind of the opposite, where like Bynes and Board return and Fort doesn't or something, or maybe all three return. I don't know. But I think the Ravens, they, they – I, I would love Bobby Wagner. I mean, I would love Bobby Wagner in Ravens uniform. I think the fit is there the money they'd have to work out. But I think that is a great value for the Ravens. But if they feel like Josh Bynes can be that guy for an extra year, then they should sign him. But why not both? Why not Bynes and Wagner, right? <laughs> sign both of those guys. And then all of a sudden you have a linebacker room of Queen, Harrison, Wagner, and Bynes. And then maybe Fort, throw Fort or Borden there as well. I think that's phenomenal. So you look at that. Other than that, though, Chris Westry, I think, does ultimately come back, even though the Ravens didn't really tender him. Um, I, I think they have a lot of tough decisions to make and as all teams do, but it, it feels like Ryan Jensen with the Brady unretirement was like, again, storyline, boom, <laughs> like all these crazy storylines this off season feels like Jensen will probably go back to Tampa Bay. It's another reason why I think Bozeman's going to Cincinnati because Jensen could have gone to Cincinnati. And it just feels like he's probably not leaving Tampa Bay anymore. Although the Ravens reportedly do have interest according to ESPN. So we'll see how that works out. Freighton, so I think the Ravens realistically could sign. Justin Reed's been a name that's been linked to the Ravens. Uh, obviously, I've, I mentioned Matthew. He, he's not a goner. He's not someone who's not going to sign with them. I think there's a possibility. But obviously, the money there, the Ravens will have to commit a big chunk. Same thing to Justin Reed. Other safeties out there. Marcus May has been linked to the Ravens. Uh, I would be fine with that. You know, the Ravens, it feels like they need a true ball hawk safety type player who can also be versatile. And I think may may provides that for them on the offensive line. Brian Allen could be an option at center for them. That that's somebody they could look at. I've talked about Trent Brown as more of a big money tackle option. They have a couple other lower level guys, but honestly, if, if the tackle is not a needle mover, I don't see a reason to sign him for agency. I'd rather just try to go for like a Charles cross in the first round or, Lily in the second round because tackles are a premium position. The Ravens will probably have to overpay for a tackle who's not worth that money. And with having McCary and Juwan James, I think that's fine until the draft where you can look and say, all right, let's take one of these guys in the top three rounds and go ahead and, and just and just attack it that way. So I think that the Ravens, they will they will be active early on in free agency. I love Emmanuel Ogba. I don't think he's going to sign with the Ravens, though. But th- something else to keep in mind, and this, will be, this will be my final point, is the fact that Guys might be cut later on in the free agency period. So like a week down the line, two weeks, a month down the line, the Ravens will want to keep money available for that. And there are scenarios where I can see the Ravens really, again, doing what they have done, signing one or two free agents early, and then just letting the market play out and sitting back and doing nothing. And I think um, (laughs) Ravens Twitter would go into a frenzy if that happened, but I do want to keep things realistic. Like I am very optimistic. The team will be aggressive and, and this will be the off season that they, they, they go out and do that. But again, there are situations where I can see them doing what they have done and trusting that process and seeing their guys who are coming back from injury as their acquisitions. And I'm sure that we will have a press conference down the line where teams will say that and the Ravens will say that. So my hope is that the Ravens will sign at least one big ticket free agent with a couple of other pretty good ones coming not so far behind. But you have to keep in mind that this team has done things a certain way, and they could choose to do that once again. I just feel like my stance on it is that other teams have gone out there and proven that they are going all in or pretty close to it this season in the AFC, which is already very talented. You now have Denver as a legitimate contender. You have Los Angeles making moves. 
And I think with the Ravens being on the last technical year of Lamar Jackson's rookie deal on that fifth year option, you have to capitalize on this window before he starts making a very, very big and well-deserved amount of money. But that's all I have for you here today on Lockdown Ravens. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be keeping up for this entire week with the free agency news that comes out for this Baltimore Ravens team. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.